You're listening to the Life Nomadic Podcast, a podcast of inspiration, life lessons, philosophy, honesty, stories from the road, and, well, whatever the hell else I want to talk about. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. So let's get weird. All right, welcome back to the Life Nomadic Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Collins. Uh, today, we have Joel Cochran. Um, Joel, you and I had a chat the other day, and um, you told me there was a difference between openness and vulnerability. And I wanted to ask you, like, where did you come up with that? Like, how, how did you get to that conclusion? In my life as, as, a, as a coach, I've coached many different things, fitness and life coaching and business coaching. Uh, I always considered myself to be a very open person. I'll tell you all about my story. And it wasn't until this last year when I had a breakup that I recognized that there's a difference between being open and vulnerable. And I felt that I was always open with this girl that I told her exactly what was going on and, you know, all the parts of my life yet we separated because there wasn't enough vulnerability and that vulnerability after getting coached myself and after going to therapy, what I realized is that I was actually scared to show myself. I wasn't scared to tell my story. I was scared to show myself and that realization came when my therapist was like, Joel, you're scared. Like you're, you're scared to show your true self. And I then came up with this thought process of, oh, I was always willing to share my story, but not willing to share my feelings about the story. See, that's where the vulnerability truly comes in is not just telling you that, oh, this is what happened in that story. It was, this is how I felt in that story. I felt scared and certain, uh, ashamed, guilty, furious. Most of us aren't willing to actually express those emotions because most of us actually don't know how to express our emotions and it happens quite often when I'm coaching people is that I ask them how does that make you feel and they have no idea how to respond good or bad is what they'll usually say and I'm like yeah yeah exactly nah (laughs) those aren't feelings right we don't there's three things that in proclivity we don't let our uh, members say Good, bad, and I don't know. Right. (laughs) Because good and bad is you're not honoring the emotion that's coming up. And I don't know is saying that you don't know yourself. Quickest way to disassociate from self is to tell you, say, well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? It's your feelings. It's your thoughts. You do know. Give yourself some time to think about it, to feel it. And so when talking about vulnerability, 
and and openness this is something after 37 years i finally started it's like oh i haven't been vulnerable i've yeah. been open i'll tell you i'll tell you all my stories in my life but to be vulnerable and that's that's a whole nother chapter to turn yeah that's like um being open you you anyone can tell a story right because because it's just a story it's just a thing that happened and it's mm-hmm. a sequence of events but when you add the vulnerability piece when you add the feeling that you're inserting yourself into that story mm-hmm. and then you're you're like you said you're no longer dissociated from it you are that story yeah that's so cool when you told me that i was like what <laughs> yeah yeah man that it, it uh it, it has helped me tremendously to uh, break the trauma loops of my past by being vulnerable. And there was a moment with one of my clients who is in her 60s, same age as my mom, has similar kind of uh, characteristics as my mom. So there's a lot of like uh, connection there with this client Mm -hmm. of my past trauma with my mom and so on and so forth. And I was actually telling her about this said girl and my experience and my emotions with it. And I was at her house because I trained her at her house. Uh, It's the only person I still train do fitness training for. And I'm telling her and she's riding on the bike and I'm telling her the story like this is like a really like raw part. I'm I'm still recovering from it. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure this out. She, you know, left out of nowhere and and I'm sitting there and I'm telling her, you know, like how I'm feeling about it and you know how angry I was about it. And she goes, No, 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 Joel. That's not what you should have said, and that's not what you should have done, and that's not this. And I just immediately went into, boop, fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. Because it reminded me of stuff from my mom and as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I immediately went into fight or flight. I said, you know what? We're here to work out anyways. So we'll just cut this conversation. And I took two steps to the left. And I said to myself, no, Joel. Like the chain stops here. Like it's time to break the chain now. And I literally turned around and it's like I had an out of body experience. Now, y'all listening might be like, what? What are you talking about? Out of body experience. When the body knows that there's danger, right? This is why like in like a really like say like you're snowboarding and all of a sudden you saw that person cut in front of you and it's like everything slowed down. Yeah. Right. When the body recognizes that the, there's danger, it will it will disassociate, right? It will like separate mind and and body, particularly if the mind's trying to go one way and the body's going another. Mm-hmm. And so the body knew from all these events as a kid that this similar event is dangerous. Yet my mind knew, no, you have to break this, and so. I literally went, nope, I have to separate from my body right now. And here I did separate, turned around, and I said, you know what? No. What you said is not okay. 
made me feel really unsafe and uncertain. And I'm trying to express my emotions and how mm. I feel. And this is making me feel really scared. Like as a coach, as a man of 37 years old, to be able to get to that point of saying I'm scared and yeah. I feel unsafe was that you don't do that. I didn't have that when I was growing up. I couldn't right. say that. We weren't told about emotions. Mm -hmm. And it was this really uh, event. And it, I mean, her face, her jaw just dropped, right? She started crying. I don't want to make you feel unsafe and uncertain because she had that as a kid. Yeah. Her dad didn't make her feel safe and secure. And so then... For the next 45 minutes, we just ended up talking. I said, you know, oh, wow. I want to give you space to be able to, to feel comfortable and safe because I know what was just said was hard. And we just opened and open dialogue. And our relationship's been completely different since. All because vulnerability. It's the yeah. strongest connective emotion that we have is, is vulnerability. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's so cool that you that you were you weren't even in like um you weren't even in a space that that was indicative of that kind of sharing because you were the coach right you're in a and you Correct. were in a the physical fitness environment mm -hmm. and, and as opposed to like a mental um fitness environment and mm -hmm. just being able to be open or to be vulnerable rather I, I, yeah. I need to start using the correct terms. <laughs> I know. But like, if you were just telling her a story, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same impact because this is at least what I'm thinking with the vulnerability part, you can share that emotion. Mm. A lot of this happens like with, um, so I, I'm in recovery from um, substance use disorder and everyone's story is different, right? Everyone, everyone has different, has a different drug, has a different experience, has a different story, but the feeling, the the feeling of helplessness and 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 that sort of thing, it's the same mm -hmm. across the board with every single addict and every single mm -hmm. uh, person in recovery. And so you share stories and and sure it's similar, but it's not the same. But as soon as you start talking about how you felt about it and the emotion and being vulnerable, that's what brings the people together. And I never knew that. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't really know it until you brought that up. And it, like my brain went, Poof! like I was really blown away. And I think, and I remember I was like, you need to stop talking about this because we need to talk about this on the podcast, not mm -hmm. at the coffee shop that we were at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. I, I like how you also said earlier how you don't let your clients um, say good, bad, um, and I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so let's say if you're talking to somebody and, and they say either good or bad, how do you, how do you help them to find like a, an actual emotion word? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when we say yeah, good or bad, like I was saying earlier, it, it's a broad sweep. It doesn't get, allow us to actually go down because mm -hmm. the, the treasures the treasures of who we are are only found when we dig. Just like any treasure. Right. Treasures aren't just sitting out for anybody to grab. You have to actually dig to them. 
And so when somebody says good or bad, I usually ask them, well, I mean, if we took good away, what feeling would it be? Like, let's, we, we know that it's creating an expansive feeling, like a light feeling, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel light. Usually when we feel light, we're going to consider that more of an expansive type of feeling, an opening feeling. Right. When we feel bad, it usually feels heavy. Heavy, yeah. Right? And it feels like a more closed-off feeling. So you guys, if you're listening right now, you're going to recognize that I didn't say that the feeling was good or bad, right? Negative or positive. When we start doing that, we start closing ourselves off to the greatest teachers. The greatest teachers are those emotions that we consider to be negative. Anger, frustration, jealousy, mm. bitterness, so on and so forth. Right. Well, just like there is no good or bad food, negative or positive foods, food all gives substance to the body. Feelings give substance to the soul. And by right. being able to recognize, oh, wait a second, this emotion here is making me feel heavy. Okay, well, what is it trying to teach us then? Because just on the other side of constriction or heaviness is expansive or lightened, right? If yeah. you've ever been underneath a barbell before, and you did 315 heavy, right? 315 for three. Right. And then immediately I take you over to a barbell that's 125 pounds. How light does that barbell feel? Yeah. Like a freaking Nothing. feather. Nothing. Right. right? But if I w had no warm up, no nothing, and I just went underneath that 125 or 135 pound barbell, you'd be like, oh, right. man, creaky, hard, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. So how is it the heavy, harder weight makes 135 so light? If we look at it with our emotions as well, of being able to go, man, this jealousy, has it feels heavy, feels tight. But if we can actually receive that emotion, look into that emotion, it actually has something to teach us and to show us. And we can actually create more security or love or acceptance of ourselves while working through it and walking with that emotion, not rejecting it, not saying I don't want it, just being able to say, okay, you're here. What is it that we want to learn? Yeah. I, and I, I talk about that quite a bit too. Like, feeling all the feelings right like mm -hmm. whether they're what you would consider quote-unquote good feelings or bad feelings heavy feelings light feelings mm -hmm. that's that's what makes us one of the things that makes us human is our is our ability to mm. um feel emotions and it's i feel like the emotion is kind of the it's it's I can't think of the word. It's what connects us to the outside environment, right? Mm -hmm. So the outside environment interacting with our bodies, our emotions are what's, um, mm -hmm. oh man, I can't think of the word, but you see what I'm saying? Like the, yeah. that's, that's, that's what happens. And so I like what you said about emotions being, um, substance for the soul and, and, and the analogy with the food, it makes so much sense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because without emotions, I mean, what are we? We're just yeah. walking around pieces of flesh, mm-hmm. bouncing around off of different you know, things in the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without that emotion, um, yeah. where we're just, we're just bodies and, and, and it's really hard. And, and so I'm going to share a little bit, uh, um, of me as well, because maybe there's somebody listening, right? I went through a breakup as well. And that like heavy feeling, Mm. it's like, you just want to avoid it at all times because it feels Mm -hmm. absolutely fucking terrible, but Mm -hmm. you need to sit with it. Like you said, you need to walk with it. How does, how does one do that? Mm. Well, you know, one of the first things again is to be able we've been taught too often and usually it's patterned through our parents of emotions being something that is once again, good or bad, right? Negative or positive. Oh, stop that. Don't feel that way. Oh, quit acting like a brat. I'm acting like a brat or am I feeling insecure? Right. But, but if that is what I'm being patterned to by my, my adults, the people who are closest to me, then I'm going to go, hey, when I feel insecure, that's bad. Don't don't say anything because I'm a brat. And it's actually, I don't even know what a brat is, but I see the way that my mom or dad are looking at me or treating me. Hmm. I don't want that. So we're making now a connection to the word that is given to us. We then feel something inside us and then we make this connection. Oh, well, don't, don't, don't do those things and feel that way. And so being able to recognize that, Hey, we actually don't want to connect really to any emotion. We want those emotions to be able to come and go. Right. Too often we want to connect to what we perceive as the good emotions, joy, uh, happiness, jubilee, we want to be like, oh, I want that all the time. And mm-hmm. so we actually come and we want to try to connect to it and stick to it. But emotions are fleeting. It's like the changing of weather. Can you hold on to the clouds or capture the wind? Right. No, no you no can't. Way. Right. No. Can you fly a kite and enjoy the wind? Can you lay in your back and watch the clouds? You can. Mm-hmm. So you can also watch your emotions. Wow, look at this joy. I can feel this joy. I can see it. I can take it in and I can allow it to go. Because when we learn to allow, you know, you you know the saying this too shall pass. Yeah. People usually use it with the hard times. Yeah. Why are we not using it with the good times? It will make the good times even sweeter. This too shall pass. And if we know that that'll pass, the good times will pass and we allow that to go and we don't attach ourselves to it. That when the other emotions come, negativity, fear, scarcity, we can just watch just like the clouds, just like the kite in the wind. Mm. I can just watch. I don't have to be connected and I can allow my body to feel whatever I need to feel so I can understand it even more instead of trying to run away from it so often and go seeking and attaching to 
the perceived positive emotions. Yeah. And I do this thing where like, if I'm sad about something, instead of trying to find something else that makes me not sad, I'll just cry and just like, Mm -hmm. let it, let it come out. If I'm upset about, like if I'm mad about something, then I'll just be mad about it. Mm -hmm. I try to do that, you know, not for an extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. Right, because I don't want to be mad twenty four hours a day or whatever, because that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. But I like how you said that we should do that with the positive emotions because it's there's so there's that that reward system in our brain, right, with the dopamine and serotonin, where mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. when we do something that we that we that we perceive as good, we get that like kick, you know, from the mm-hmm. dopamine to to tell your brain, do that again, right? When it comes to sex, when it comes to eating, Mm -hmm. when it comes to building friendships, because those things keep us safe. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the negative emotions or, or bad emotions or whatever we want to call them, we avoid those because typically that's like danger and being unsafe. Mm -hmm. So we have to like figure out a way to like manage that in a way that they're kind of, like the same, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Like well, treat them the same? Yeah. Well, that, that, but that's the really curious thing, right? What you just, just said, you know, is like, oh, the, those emotions say like fear is, is, um, feeling unsafe or the lack of safety yeah. when actually fear is safety. If you were to walk down, okay. If you were to walk down at two o'clock in the morning down an alleyway in New York City and you saw some looming figures, you can't make them out, but you know they're at the end of the alleyway, Hmm. what feeling would you get? Fear, yeah. That is your body's response to say, I'm trying to keep you safe. Right. We see it, we recognize it, I'm actually going to give you fear because I want to keep us safe. And so actually looking at these different emotions we want to actually honor the body when we start feeling anxiety, right? You feel the pressure on your chest or mm. you're worrying about the future is to actually honor the body and mind and go, Oh, I see you. You're trying to keep me safe. I appreciate that. I, now that may be from a past experience that we created a story to where we can go, Hey, you know what? Thank you body and mind, but I'm safe, right? Where yeah. sometimes we create as if we're going into the alley, but we're in the field of daisies. And we have to be able to go, oh, wait a second. That's an old story. Body, I see what you're trying to do. You're just trying to keep me safe because you're thinking that we're going down an alleyway. Yeah. But this is an old story that's coming up from an old relationship, mom, dad, so on and so forth. And I'm just going to let you know, hey, we're safe here in this in these daisies and then we go oh so those emotions of fear dependent on how we're utilizing and you talked about being human but depending on how we're utilizing it can actually create safety it's what it's trying to do right it's if we're utilizing a, a poor story in our mind that's creating us to feel unsafe even though we're in a safe place Right. That's like, you know, um, like you, you will sometimes bring 
um, emotions from past relationships and bring them into new relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've found myself doing that before, <laughs> you know, and it's like, um, it's not fair to the, to the, to the current person to, to bring that fear or to bring that anxiety from a, a past relationship. But man, it's really not, it's, it's really hard to not do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that starts with boom, right? Self, right? Being able to create security within ourselves mm. by being able to go back to the story and creating with no one else, just us, safety in that story. Because too often we get into a similar relationship with the same story and they do something, right? They say something or they don't respond back to a text and the old self starts coming up, the abandonment within ourselves where, hey, mom abandoned us or I was cheated on by that relationship. And because I never went back and healed that wound, I never came back with present Joel and went to past Joel and said, hey, past Joel, it's okay. We're going to revisit this story and I'm going to create a ton of safety around it and security around it. And if I can do that, then I have the ability that when I don't get that text back or that uh, that certain actions taken in this new relationship, I can go, no, we're safe. It's that same concept of the fear and safety is be able right. to go, oh, you know what? I went back and healed that part of me instead of what most people do is they project or say it was their fault. You know, that relationship wasn't meant for me anyways, instead of going and going, okay, what, what did that relationship have to teach me? Right. Yeah. And that's, there's, it seems like sometimes it seems like there's a, there's like a pattern that, you know, one, one person does something and this isn't just relationships. This is with kind of any experience that you have Mm -hmm. when, um, when it doesn't turn out the way that you want to, like a, um, an expectation doesn't get met. And then that Mm -hmm. same situation happens. Your brain automatically goes, Oh, it's going to happen again. And then it, Mm -hmm. it it seems like it's always the same thing happening over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and, you know, again, going back to that, that, that fear, it's looking for it. And we've talked about this when we went and got coffee, this, the reticular activating system. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that piece and part of your brain again is there to protect you because guys, listen, the reason we're standing here today is because your body's smarter than you are. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it is over thousands and thousands of years has figured out, oh, what mechanisms do I need to have to keep this thing, this body alive? And so your reticular activating system is one of those things, which is meant to create truth or proof to the things you are saying or seeing. And you get to create it. It's unbiased. It's just reacting to what is around us. And so if we created a thought process or story around being cheated on you will then your brain will automatically seek and search for reasons that someone's going to cheat on you or Mm -hmm. find people who are going to cheat on you 
to then solidify what the brain is trying to do. The reticular activating is just trying to create truth or proof. So it will seek out to find truth in that. That's why some people are like, I just don't get it. I always pick the worst. Well, yeah. If you're saying you're yeah. going to pick the worst, then you're, you're going to find the worst. That's how it works. Yeah. So for for those listening who don't know what RAS or reticulating activated, reticular activating system is, do you want to kind of break it down a little bit for them? Yeah, totally. So it's, it's this part in your brain, you guys, uh, that is in frontal lobe, um, frontal lobe, uh, near the hypothalamus, you know, your emotions, feelings, thoughts, hmm. and it's there again, to be able to protect us. I want you to think archaic days, you were away from the cave, uh, a dark cloud kind of comes over and you're away from the cave. You have no shelter. And you go, the thought process comes in. Is that going to be, is there going to be a storm? That's all it took. Is there going to be a storm in, in the mind? Or is there going to be a threat? Maybe it didn't sound like that back, you know, thousands of years ago. But is there going to be a storm? Now, all of a sudden, the mind starts seeking out everything that could show that there would be a storm, a threat to the body. Is there more clouds on the horizon? Is the temperature dropping? Are the birds moving? Mm. Is there any change in barometric pressure? Yeah, any of those things. Because if there is, oh shoot, we better get back to the to the cave. Yeah. If there isn't, right? Oh, okay, we're fine. But the brain is going to seek that to be able to create safety. In this day and age, we have a lot of safety. Roofs over our head, climate control, cars, doors that lock. So mm -hmm. on and so forth. Yet now, how does that uh, reticular activating system work? Well, it works the same exact way as those ads on Instagram. You say something or you search something on the website, you get that cookie. Now, yep. all of a sudden, you're just talking about, you know, oh man, I was thinking about getting some new Nikes. And all of a sudden, it's just Nikes blown up everywhere or shoes right. everywhere. Whew, very similar thing. Like if, if you're, I want you to think these days, what was the last car that you got? Right. Let, I'll ask you, what was your last car that you got? Um, well, I just bought a, a ProMaster van, like a big panel van. And what color? White. But what do you see around town now? Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere I turn around, I see them. Everywhere. And we're talking, this is not like a you know, n normal car that you would see all over the town. town right? right. Yeah. But your mind has gone, Ooh, that's really important because that's where we're going to travel in or live in or whatever. We're creating something awesome here. So we need to make sure that this was the right choice. All right. We'll create truth and proof. And so we see them all over the place. Right. Same with you guys. If you're listening right now, you go, Oh crap. Yeah, that has happened. Or man, I saw that one you know, shirt or whatever. And then I see it everywhere mm. or, Oh my gosh, what a coincidence that this happened. Yeah. You no, know, it was always there. Your reticular activating system just focused it in. I wonder if, I mean, I'm sure this is, this is the case, but you could probably tell me, but like, um, <clears throat> like conspiracies, right? People who, who 
who are interested in dig deep find conspiracies mm-hmm. once you see one you start to see them everywhere you start to see all mm-hmm. these patterns and all these mm-hmm. different things and 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 it's like it gets to a point where someone who's not into that sees someone else who's into those things and they're like how do you even get to that mm-hmm. but for yeah. them it's just it's the same thing they keep seeing all no these difference. different yeah. um, things that are happening around them and that's because of this particular activating Activate. system mm-hmm no difference. If I, if you're listening right now, you will find a heart by the end of the day. You will find a heart by the end of the day. <laughs> and wait until you find that heart. Maybe yeah. it's going to be in the notch of a tree. Maybe it's going to be, you know, a squiggly mark. You will find a heart by the end mm-hmm. of the day. And you'll see how powerful this thing is. You're you're mel- you're gonna melt people's minds, yeah. <laughs> Particularly when they find the heart, they're like, "Holy yep. shit, there is a heart right there!" Yeah, crazy. So if you do see a heart, like, send me a message on Instagram or something, and for real, it'd be cool to see like all these people. Yeah, take like, a Dude, picture. I see hearts everywhere. Yeah, yeah take, take a, a picture. picture. Yeah, do take a picture of the heart and then uh, post it and tag me. In it. I think that'll be that'll be a fun little experiment. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so you talked really, really, really early in the podcast about, uh, proclivity. And mm-hmm. so I definitely want to talk to you about that a little bit because, um, well, cover, for a couple of reasons. Um, well, I met you, holy cow, how long ago was that? It has to have been a decade. Oh uh, yeah. 2013. Yeah. So a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were a CrossFit coach. Mm-hmm. And I always like found you really interesting and really like kind of, uh, kind of set apart. Like there, there was always something like anyone I would talk to. And if I'd say Joel, they would automatically know who I was talking about. I didn't have to even say your last name. Right. But just because mm-hmm. you, you have this thing about you. And so when I, when I saw that you started this proclivity thing, I was like, yo, that's perfect. I want to check mm-hmm. it out. And yeah. then, and I love how it's, um, well, I'll let you, I'll let you explain it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, man. I received that. It's, uh, I got very lucky, uh, to be able to work at, at double edge, um, uh, here in Reno, Nevada, Derek and Jacob Willock are the two owners and to be able to watch community grow so much and be part yeah. of that was, it was incredible. Um, so I appreciate you highlighting that. Uh, when it came to proclivity, one of the things that I recognized being in the fitness field for well over a decade now is that people would rotate like literally a revolving door, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in like the, the hotels in like uh, New York or windy cities that have the rotor rotating door. Yeah. You kind of go in and then you, and then you're back out and then you're in and you're back out. That's what was going on with so many people. I did over 4,000 one-on-one introductions between my six, seven years that I was at Double Edge. One-on-one, me and you, Brandon, talking and chitting and chatting, and I I want to know your whole history and fitness and life. I wanted to know it all. And so I did 4,000 of those, and so many of them had the same story. And so after doing it for so long, I'm like, there's something that I'm missing here. Hmm. 
So then naturally it's like, oh, it's the nutrition piece. Okay, well, we'll work on nutrition. Nope, same revolving door. Okay, so I did nutrition and I did fitness. Okay, maybe it's some light lifestyle stuff. It's some lifestyle stuff. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about your sleep and we'll create yeah. some structure to your day and we'll get you to organize your day better. Wait, it helped a little bit. And nope, revolving door, back and forth, back and forth. And so then I really started going on a journey of like, and I've always been into psychology. Uh, my uh, degree is in speech communication. So th the way uh, communications can affect an outcome. Mm. And I started recognizing, wait a second, there's something more here. And that's where I started to research and start getting coached by a ton of different types of coaches, lifestyle coaches, um, business coaches, and I found uh, Mark England. Mark England is the owner of Enlifted Coaching. Hmm. And this is a language-based coaching system. And it wasn't until I got coached by Mark England where he started unwinding the stories. Now, I have done 10 years of therapy, speech therapy, right? Talk mm -hmm. therapy where I'm talking it out. But with Mark, it was the first time I started writing it out. Where okay. I started writing my stories down. And when we start writing our stories down and using particular techniques, language techniques, to start reframing and reorganizing the way we see or perceive a reality in our life, then did things start changing. Because... We all have stories, and I've unwound the craziest stories you can think of. Yet, here's the thing with a story, is that if your dad died when you were younger, the reality is, is your dad is dead. And I'm so yeah. sorry if that is anybody who's listening right now. Uh, death is such a trialing, trialing thing. Yeah. Yet, our perception about the death can still change because we perceived it at whatever age with whatever tools and whatever thought processes we had at the time. Yet it's not too late to change that story now. So whatever's happened to you in your life, it is not the truth. It is your perception of the truth. And when we can reframe that perception, we can actually find strength, empowerment, and growth in it. And so what I started realizing is that where people could make true change was in the psychological space. Hmm. And so that's where I started proclivity because I realized the two things that will affect your life the most is what you're putting in your mouth and what's coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And, I love that. And so uh, I've, I partnered up with my incredible business partner, Emily Rodella, um, who is one of a kind, no greater person I would rather be with uh, when it comes to running a business. Amazing. And she does incredible nutritional work works very extensively with uh, the uh, microbiome of our stomachs. Right. You know, microbiome, look it up. 
and I work with the psychological side. And so there is the gut brain access. They are connected. They affect both sides. And we realize that, man, really most nutrition programs are only dealing with 50% of the problem. Right. The other 50% is the way that I perceive food, why I eat food the way I do, the thought processes behind it, my traumas of the past. I mean, a perfect example. I will tell you a perfect example is a client that I have who was struggling with spending money on, on, on clothes. Mm. Right. And to the point where it was like, she had to work more. Well, she had to work more. She was more stressed out. She was more stressed out. She struggled with eating the right foods. Right. So now we create the identity that I'm not good enough or smart enough or equipped enough to eat the right damn foods. So now I'm creating this whole false ass identity when it really came to spending money mm-hmm. with this part. So most people are like, oh, okay, cool. Stop spending money. It's not that easy. Right. See, there's a root to it. So then we have to go all the way back. And what did we find? We found an insecurity at 13 or 14 years old in a swimsuit with her friends where she perceived her body a certain way. Hmm. Boom. Seed is planted. Yeah. So now what is there? Oh, I perceive myself as this type of body. I don't trust myself or receive myself or accept myself. And what she start doing? Covering herself up with a towel, ashamed. Mm-hmm. Shame and guilt, number one way to drive a story so deep into your subconscious that you'll never want to talk about it. Guilt yeah. and shame. And until we've gone back and addressed that story so that she can receive and accept herself, now she can let go of trying to find acceptance through clothes, right? And mm-hmm. uh, her getting her fingernails done and her eye, all the things. Because I asked her, I said, well, you're not spending the money on, you know, mountain bikes, skiing, you know, trips, this and that. No, you're spending on your image mm-hmm. of trying to find acceptance through that. And so we can see here that she came in for nutrition because she's eaten all the foods and super stressed out. Why is she stressed out? Well, she's stressed out because she's buying all the stuff to try to find acceptance. Right. Why is she trying to find acceptance? Oh, because we can drive back 25 years earlier where she created a story of herself of not being able to accept. Right. God. That's broken. Humans are complicated, man. (laughs) And so simple at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And so simple at the same time. Yeah. Yet the complication comes again with guilt and shame. If you're not willing to be vulnerable, put your SHIT on the table. Mm -hmm. This is why group therapy is so good. You talked about, you know, uh, your your addictions, right? When you start coming to other people and saying, like, hey, here's the all the crazy things I, I did when I was mm-hmm. either high, drunk, right? Where you're like, wow, I was really ashamed that I did that. And you mm-hmm. start putting it on the table. 
you start being relieved of that guilt and shame and it has no more hooks in you anymore. Right. Now recovery can start happening. Yeah. And you, you said something earlier about like, say, uh, for example, if, um, you said like if your dad died, right. Or a mm-hmm. pet died or something happened in the moment, right. That's, that's horrific. But then, you know, 10 years or so later or five years or however many years it takes that, that, that emotion isn't the same. Right. So like example, you know, when I was a kid, I, um, I got cut from like a baseball team, um, because I was just, I was too busy getting stoned with my friends and not paying attention to, to playing baseball. And I got cut from the team and it was devastating at the time. But then looking back, it's like, no, I did a thing. And then there was uh, a consequence for that thing that I mm-hmm. did. And then it doesn't, it, that, that, that emotion, like you said earlier is fleeting. So that, that emotion is completely gone. And mm-hmm. I didn't, at- I didn't attach myself to that emotion, mm-hmm. but there are people who have done that. And like, like your client, she's attached herself to that emotion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're saying a way to like <clears throat> kind of mitigate that is to go back and reassign a different emotion to that story that happened, which is again, what we're talking about, the difference between openness and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cognitive reappraisal. Is what it's called, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and the way that I find those stories is through emotion. So I'll have you say something like, you know, you're going to come with a sentence and that's something like, uh, yeah, I'm just, I've, you know, I fell off track once again this past weekend because I ate the cookies. Hmm. Hmm. Will you write that sentence down for me? Oh, okay. And will you read it out again for me? And they read it out. And I go, tell me the, how does that make you feel? I mean, shitty, bad. Mm, Tell me a little bit more. Like, what other emotion may come up? Well, like anger. Would you say anger is a primary emotion? Or would you say fear is actually? Well, yeah, I, I could see fear. Okay, why? Why fear? Oh, well. You know, I don't want to feel the way I did when I let myself down back in middle school, so on and so forth. The emotion will lead us back to the story every single time. Mm. Yet, if we don't know how to touch into our emotions, how do we get back to the freaking story? If all of us are just thrown out there like good, bad, and I don't know, And if you guys are listening right now, you just wait. You're going to hear yourself say it. And so many other people say it. Good, bad, and I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling? I I don't don't know, you know. No, I don't know when you say I don't know. No. Right, yeah. (laughs) And so the uh the emo the emotions are going to lead us back to the root the root gives us the ability to re uh reappraise that story to be able to create a more stronger identity of self right right and like the 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 writing it down part i so i uh started a podcast in my undergrad and i interviewed um 
a PhD. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Zytoski or Zatoski, and it was called Narrative Medicine. And um, I don't remember what university he was at. Kind of a big one, I think. And he was talking about how you, um, it's like instead of instead of talk therapy, it's narrative therapy. So you write everything down. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had this like uh, epiphany where when you when you tell a story or you just keep thinking of a story, when that comes out of your mouth, it's just kind of out there in the open. Mm-hmm. But when you write it down and then you get to look at it, it's, it goes from being subjective to objective. Mm-hmm. So you're now looking at a thing from an objective perspective, mm-hmm. from an outside perspective, mm-hmm. and it makes it real. And then mm-hmm. that's a way for you to go, oh, oh, wow. You know, and, and, and talk therapy is kind of the same. The therapist will just repeat basically what you said. And mm-hmm. so we tell ourselves the same story over and over and over and over and over again. And to hear someone else say the same the thing back to you, I know this happened to me in therapy. I'm like, did I really just say that? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Why would I say that? But mm-hmm. you don't realize it until either someone says it back to you or yeah. like when you have your clients write it down. That's I think that's such a great way to kind of address that and make those those emotions seem more real than just yeah. part of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, so many people get in trouble because, you know, in media, because the media takes it out of context, mm. right? They don't show the whole story. They take the one snippet, the one thing that they said, mm. well, we do the same dang thing. Yeah. Think of a relationship. And then they said, ba 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 ba, And that really kicked off an emotion, jealousy, fear, doubt, insecurity, whatever. And you grabbed onto it. Because before they were just squiggly lines, because that's all words are. They're just squiggly lines. Mm-hmm. Okay. We put the emotion to it. Because if you don't know, say, a really like bad word, right? There's plenty of bad words out there. But you didn't know the definition of that bad word. Somebody called you it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, and <laughs> it's until the emotion is connected to it. Right. Right. And so when we're just doing, uh, talk therapy and we don't take the time to slow down and write the story out. We just keep coming back to the same out of context part of the story yeah. instead of writing the beginning and the end of it. Then we can now look back and read through it and be like, Oh, wait a second. This makes a lot more sense. And yeah. so we got to be careful with what we're doing and what we're saying because our words truly matter. You know, people, they, they, they assign themselves an identity and mm-hmm. then they become that. And so in order to change that, you know, for example, um, like someone who's um, overweight or let's say even obese, like a really big person and their nickname is Big Al. So mm, that yeah. sets such a huge barrier for that person because mm-hmm. not only is he overweight, but he also now that's his identity. He's big Al. And if he loses weight, he's no longer yeah. big Al anymore. Then who that's is right. he? Yeah. Yeah. Al. Yeah. Just Al. Uh, no, now he's Al. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that could be the same thing as like, 
Oh, you're you're so fun when you're drunk. Whoops. Mm. Right. Yeah. A spell, when we think of a spell, right, we think of like witches, like, you know, magic, right? Yeah, yeah. A spell is a word or combination of words with great influence. Right. You cast a spell upon yourself and <laughs> others when you're yeah. calling yourself, oh, you know me, right? I'm going to call out, let's call out the healthy quotations, healthy ones, right? Right. The crossfitters, because I know so many of them. <laughs> right yeah we do who go oh you know i do crossfit so i can earn my whatever beer drink mm -hmm. uh pazuki cookies well if you're telling yourself that then what are you cannot wait for after you get done with your wad mm -hmm. the drink or the sweet treat mm -hmm. is that healthy for you no no. Are you still wondering why you do CrossFit five times a week and you still don't have the body composition that you want? Because you say those things. Right. And we have to be careful. All of the things. We need to be more aware and open instead of so closed down. We want to create questions pull and statements press. We want to ask questions nine out of ten times. Mm-hmm. Yet most people out there are doing nine statements and one question. And we wonder why we're so polarized in this country. Yeah. Because everyone's throwing around statements instead of reaching across and asking enough questions. If right, we did that right. more, if we asked more questions, we'd understand ourselves more. We'd understand others more. And we'd understand really, truly what's going on with the world in general. Right. I think the when it comes to asking questions and and I know this so like in when I was at when I went back to um UNR for my undergrad as a grown ass man right I was in my 40s when I did when I finished my undergrad mm -hmm. so many of the students wouldn't ask questions they were they were afraid to ask a question and here I am a grown ass man. And if I have a question about something, I'm just going to ask the question. Like I don't even care. Right. And then I would get these students would send me emails or they would, uh, uh, grab me after class. And then they would ask me a question that I could mm -hmm. maybe in turn ask the professor later, or they thought maybe I knew the answer to it. And asking questions has this weird kind of stigma to it. That means you're an idiot you don't understand things. Um, you know, you're not, you're not up to, up to date with the things. Mm. And it's, it, it almost feels like if you ask a question, then you're the dummy. Whereas mm -hmm. in my mind, the first person who asks a question to me is the smartest person in the room because mm -hmm. they're the one who wants to know. They're the one mm -hmm. who's not mm -hmm. afraid to admit that they don't know everything. And I, and that's a lot mm -hmm. of the problem. I, at least I see it when, like you said, when, when it comes to, the state of our society at the moment, whether it be religion or politics or mm -hmm. um, social issues, any of those things. If you're afraid to ask a question, all you're going to do is just yell out statements because mm -hmm. by yelling out statements, you're letting everyone else know that you know the things, you know all the things. Or you're scared of the things. Right. We're, we're scared, right? Statements are are our way as humans of showing our claws and teeth. Yeah. Right. 
when a when a a bear or mountain lion in the wild is scared because you're walking onto its territory it's not an ego thing oh you on my territory fool no yeah. it's going like oh are you a threat i'm scared i'm going to show my teeth and my nails and so for us what we do to show our teeth and nails is statements I'm going to make statements. And so when I find people who make a lot of statements, I go, man, you're really scared. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Right. Because if you're secure and you feel safe, okay, cool. You can have whatever opinion you want. Like, actually, I'm even more curious. I'm just going to ask you questions and then I actually don't even need to have an answer. But we, mm. we tend to feel we need an answer. We have to make a statement. Do we? Are you sure? Why do you have to? Why do you need the answer? The more you mm. know, right? The less yeah. we know. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think maybe too, um, and not just statements out, like outwards, but like statements to yourself. Mm. You know, I catch myself doing it all the time. And, and I've, especially with like negative self-talk, um, mm-hmm. I used to be really, really bad at it. I'm, I still obviously could, could be better, but mm-hmm. and, 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 and to speak to your point about statements and questions is I would say something like, wow, you're an idiot or man, you're so forgetful. Cause I am really forgetful and it's really frustrating and it really like makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. So I started asking myself, well, why did I forget that thing? Mm-hmm. And then you think about it and it's like, oh, it's because, you know, you got a hundred things going on at one time. Like, why don't you just, let's just take a breath and mm-hmm. just really mm-hmm. absorb the moment that you're in and you'll probably be less likely to forget things. Mm-hmm. Plus calling yourself an idiot or, or stupid or mm-hmm. forgetful or any of those things. That's yeah. so not helpful. And like you said, like your language dictates your identity, like what you say to yourself mm-hmm is that's your reality. That's who you are. Correct. Because of the reticular activating system. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You have to get like back to guys, that. This isn't, yeah, it's not, this isn't like rocket science. Okay. Right. If, if you, in uh, another way to, <laughs> in terms of like self, um, love uh, ladies and guys, I'm talking to you both. You decide, okay, I, I am going to go to double edge and I'm going to start working out and I do it for three months, right. Or two months. And I, and I, see that in the mirror oh my gosh look at that tricep or bicep is that an upper ab hell yeah Hmm. you know what i'll do i bet you i've lost some good weight i'll step on the scale now what were we saying before we stepped on the scale i look good i'm strong i'm confident i step on the scale it doesn't match what i think it's going to be in my head Mm -hmm. i actually didn't lose any weight i go back to that mirror now what do I see? All the imperfections. No more tricep. Yep. <laughs> and then I say, see, you can never lose weight. Yeah. Whoa. You can. Can is solidifying. Just like you can get up. If I I can do it in a positive or negative, negative way, you can, solidifying who I am, never binary language, on or off, right or wrong, no room for interpretation, never Mm -hmm. lose weight. Those combinations of spells right there 
highlight that reticular activating system even more. It puts in freaking hyperdrive. Yeah. Because of the binary language, because of the language of I am or I can. So now it goes, oh, this is truth then. And there goes the identity. You've yeah. now created the identity. So no matter if you go, all right, I'm going to hit it even harder. You've already created the identity that you're not going to lose weight. So you're never going to be happy. Go, yeah, you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah, and the body may not respond to it anymore because mm-hmm. your body goes, ooh, man, we're, we're not doing something right because huh? we're not losing weight. Okay, all right. You know, no, no losing weight then. And... Maybe your cortisol levels increase, you know, maybe, maybe your epinephrine increases and that's a reason why you're not losing weight all because what do we start telling ourselves? Yeah. How do you, so how would you, um, what would be an alternative to say instead of that exact situation, what could you do? Mm -hmm. If someone's listening, I'm sure somebody's listening and they're like, yep, I do that all the time. Like, how how do we tell, how do we teach this person to not do that? Well, I'm going to give you guys two pieces and it depends on how hard you are on yourself. Okay. The first one is just like what Brandon was saying. Get curious. Why am I not losing weight? Even better. Why am I perceiving that I'm not losing weight, even though I can see that my body's changing? Mm. questions. Good. Write down the answer. Well, I am gaining more muscle mass. I'm stronger than I've ever been. Hmm. Okay. Does muscle weigh more than fat? Yes. By five times. Oh, okay. So I'm actually losing body fat and I'm gaining muscle. Yes, correct. We just diffuse the whole damn thing. Curiosity kills conflict every single time stay curious stay curious the second way that you can do it is that if you're a real hard person on your i mean you just are the worst (laughs) is i i want you to do this i want you to pull out your phone and start recording yourself say it out loud why you're such a piece of shit and that you don't deserve to be happy and you always fall short and so on and so forth. Send it to your best friend, Mm. to your mom, to your dad. Send it to them. Because what are they going to say? What on earth are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What on earth are you talking about? And I want you to imagine what you would say to your best friend who sent you a, a, a message like that. You would never in no. your wildest dreams talk to your to your friend like that. In your wildest dreams. Yeah. Right? I I did a, a whole podcast on negative self-talk and um, it's called um, How to Be a Better Friend and then in parentheses to yourself. Mm. And And... I wish I would have known that that trick that you just said because I talked about like you know you we see all these terrible things to ourselves but would you would you ever say that to like a, another human being no way mm-hmm. no chance no way in hell but mm-hmm. I love that you brought it to the next level like record it and then send it to them yeah. and then see what they say see what or even just say. listen to it yourself I bet just mm-hmm. listening to that would be like whew, 
what? Why would I say that to myself? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, 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 it can work. It can work. If, if you end up having like a best friend and you just send it and you have to send it to your best friend every time Mm -hmm. you're going to start, you're going to start realizing like, wow, I say some really messed up things Yeah, and you're going to start slowing your roll. Yeah. Because if you have the the best friend who is a best friend, they'll go, Hey man, I hear what you're saying to yourself and I want to let you know that I love you, that I believe in you so much. And you're now going to get the opposite side, the truth, because we are only a reflection of ourselves. We are the light and whoever that is, is just shining their, our light back at us. Hmm. And so our people who are closest to us tell us the truth. It's the imposter or the shadow that lives inside us that wants us to convince us differently. Right. Because the imposter wants to use our greatest strengths against us. Because if I asked you right now, Brandon, write down all your limiting beliefs about yourself. And then I took that immediately and I gave it to the person that knows you the best. Mom, dad, brother, best friend, whoever. And I go, cool, I'm going to hand it over. They would go, not true, not true, not true. Farthest from the truth. The craziest mm. thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because Absolutely. want to know one of Emily's, uh, one of the things that Emily's imposter says, I don't know why I'm bringing Emily and I'll bring mine in too as well, is I'm a bad mom. Mm. She's like the sweetest, kindest, lovingest mother I've ever seen. To Human. I love Emily. Yeah. Human in general. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, oh, I'm going to be so broken and insecure. I have no confidence. Yet I'm, I'm on, you know, podcasts every month and doing public speaking. And, mm-hmm. but I don't have any confidence. Right. Like, if I would hand that over to anybody, they'd be like, the dude that's done 4,000 one on one introductions and ran two gyms and has mm-hmm. three businesses, you lack confidence. Right. But the imposter knows that if I can take your greatest strength away from you, I've crippled you. Hmm. Or if I, I, they can't even, the imposter can't even take it away, but make you believe that you don't have it. Right. And that's the crazy thing. It's like walking around, you know, with like your keys in your hand, looking for the keys. Hmm. Like, where are my damn keys at? (laughs) Or your glasses are on top of your head. Like, I just can't find my glasses, you know? And it's just like, that's what the imposter wants you to think. You don't have your glasses. You don't have your confidence. You don't have your love. You don't have your strength. When you're just like, wait a second. Bitch, there's my glasses. (laughs) That's what I'm going to name this podcast. Bitch, there's my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for... um, for being on the show, I really enjoy talking to you. I learned a ton today, and I hope that those of you that are listening uh, learned a ton as well. How can um, how can people reach out to you? How do you your socials and 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 mm-hmm. and if they wanted uh, maybe to talk to you about proclivity or something, how would they how would they reach out to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, thanks for so much for having me on the show. Uh, it was it was a ton of fun being able to. to to chat about it. I mean, this is basically how our, 
coffee talk went too. It's right, right. easy to be able to be on the show. So I appreciate you putting it all together. Um, and if you guys are interested about proclivity, first and foremost, head to our website, www.proclivity.co. That's C-O. There you're going to be able to see a ton of our different testimonials. We have videos on there explaining what proclivity is all about. Uh, great place to be able to gain some resources there. You can also follow us on uh, our podcast, the Proclivity Podcast. Great yeah. place. If you are in need of nutritional help, we're there for you. Okay. Nutritional and psychological help in terms of being able to create the body you want in the life that you love, we're right there for you. And then lastly, if you're in social, you can head over to Instagram. Proclivity.co is our handle. We got a lot of great stuff that's on there as well. Different recipes, different tips and uh, tricks in terms of, uh, you know, uh, how to approach food, your fitness, your health. So check it out, guys. We're we're uh, we're here to be able to help you guys. Yeah, I love it, and uh, I definitely want to get Emily on the show. Um, probably mm -hmm. I'll reach out to her again, and then and then maybe even the third episode with all three of us. I think might be cool oh, man, uh, to do that wild. whole mind, the gut mind thing. You know, like. Mm -hmm. I know that right before I get like a fit of anxiety, my stomach yeah. hurts before mm -hmm. my brain even realizes that I'm about to go into an anxiety yep. thing. And oh, so, yeah, yeah, oh, I'll yeah. Be, I'm definitely interested in that. So, um, yeah, cool. Um, it's good seeing you. And, uh, yeah, great seeing you too. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you on the next one. See you later. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with me. I hope you got something useful from this episode. If this is your first time listening, uh, please consider subscribing so you don't miss out on any of the other fun things that we'll be talking about in the future. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, I would encourage you to go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a little review. This really does help me grow the podcast. And of course, if you have any questions or comments or you just want to connect on all the other social medias, you can find me on Instagram at Life Nomadic Podcast, on Twitter at That Life Nomadic. Uh, facebook.com forward slash life nomadic podcast or you can just send me an email life nomadic podcast at gmail.com once again thanks for listening i look forward to talking to you guys and we'll see you the next episode <laughs>